are listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney. And throughout the year, I'm reading and reflecting on the four-volume, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you would like to discuss today's readings, I invite you to head over to Facebook. And there, you'll be able to find the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast group and be able to share your own thoughts and insights about today's readings with others who are listening and following along. Let us now thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaimed the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in our heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example and holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir aflame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 264, and we are reading from volume 3, Book 6, Chapter 23, Paragraphs 711 to 717. 711. Christ our Savior is the triumphant conqueror, having vanquished the great enemy, now yielded up his spirit to the Father, and permitted death to approach by inclining his head. By this permission he also vanquished death, which had been equally deceived in him with the demons. For death could not attack men or had any jurisdiction of them, except through the first sin of which it was a punishment. On this account, the apostle says that the weapon or the sting of death is sin, which opens up the wounds by which death enters into the world of humanity. And as our Savior paid the debt of sin which he could not commit, therefore, when death took away his life without the shadow of justice, it lost the power which had over it the other sons of Adam. Thenceforward, neither death nor the devil could attack men, unless they, failing to avail themselves of the victory of Christ, should again subject themselves of their own free will. If our first father Adam had not sinned, and we ourselves in him, we would not suffer the punishment of death, but merely pass over to the happiness of the eternal fatherland. But sin has made us its subjects and slaves of the devil. He avails himself of death to deprive us first of the grace and blessings in the friendship of God. Thereby, he also prevents us from reaching eternal life, and we remain in the slavery of sin and the devil, subject to his tyrannous power. Our Savior Christ despoiled the demon of all these advantages, and in dying without sin and satisfying for our own, merited that our death should be a death of the body only, and not of the soul, that it should have power to take away our temporal life, but not our eternal, the natural, not the spiritual that it should thenceforward be merely the portal of the eternal happiness, if we ourselves did not renounce that blessing. Thus the Lord, satisfied for the chastisements due to the first sin, at the same time furnishing us a means of offering a compensation in our own name, by accepting our natural and bodily death for the love of God. Christ absorbed death and offered his own as a bait for deceiving death. By his death he put an end to its power, overcame it, and was the death of death itself. 7.12 In this triumph, the Savior fulfilled the prophecy contained in the canticle in the prayer of Habakkuk, 
of which I shall select some passages necessary for my purpose. The prophet was informed of the mystery and the power of Christ over death and the devil. In prophetic foresight, he prayed that the Lord vivify the work of his hands, that is, man, that in his great wrath he remember his mercy. He prophesied that the glory of this miracle should fill the heavens and the praise of it, the earth, that its splendor shall be as that of light, that in his hands he shall embrace the horns, which are the arms of the cross, and wherein is hidden his strength, that death should fly from him, captive and vanquished, that before his feet the devil should be routed and measure the earth. All this was fulfilled to the letter, for Lucifer departed, having his head crushed under the feet of Christ and his blessed mother, who subdued him by their sufferings and by their power. Since the devil was forced to cast himself to the lowest hell, which is the middle of the earth and farthest removed from its surfaces, he is said to measure the earth. The rest of the canticle pertains to the triumph of Christ our Lord in the succeeding ages of the church, but that need not be rehearsed here. It is, however, proper for men to understand that Lucifer and his demons were restricted, lamed, and weakened in their power of tempting the rational creatures, unless their sins and their own free will do not again unbind them and encourage them to return from the destruction of the world. All this will be better understood from the proceedings of the infernal council held in hell and from what I shall say further in the course of this history. Council held by Lucifer and his demons in hell after the death of Christ our Lord. 7.13 The rout of Lucifer and his angels from Calvary to the abyss of hell were more violent and disastrous than their first expulsion from heaven. Though, as holy Job says, Job 10.21, that place is a land of darkness covered with the shades of death, full of gloomy disorder, misery, torments, and confusion, yet on this occasion the chaos and disorder was a thousandfold increased because the damned were made to feel new horror and additional punishments at the sudden meeting of the ferocious demons in their rabid fury. It is certain that the devils have not the power of assigning the damned to a place of greater or lesser torment, for all the torments are decreed by divine justice according to the measure of the demerits of each of the condemned. But besides this essential punishment, the just judge allows them to suffer other accidental punishments from time to time according to occasion. For their sins have left roots in the world, and cause much damage to others who are damned on their account, and the new effects still arising from former sins cause such accidental punishments in the damned. Thus the demons devised new torments for Judas, for having sold and brought about the death of Christ. They also understood them, that this place of dreadful punishments, where they had thrown him and of which I have spoken above was destined for the chastisement of those who damned themselves by refusing to practice their faith in their lives, and for those who purposely refused to believe and avail themselves of the fruits of the redemption. Against these the devil execute a more furious wrath, similar to the one they have conceived against Jesus and Mary. 7.14 As soon as Lucifer was permitted to proceed to these matters and arise from the consternation in which he remained for some time, he set about proposing to his fellow demons new plans of his pride. For this purpose he called them all together, and placing himself in an elevated position, he spoke to them. To you, who have for so many ages followed, and still follow my standards for the vengeance of my wrongs, is known the injury which I have now sustained at the hands of this man-god, and how for thirty-three years he has led me about in deceit, hiding his divinity and concealing the operations of his soul, and how he has now triumphed over us by the very death. 
which we have brought upon him. Before he assumed flesh, I hated him and refused to acknowledge him as being more worthy than I to be adored by the rest of creation. Although on account of this resistance, I was cast out from heaven with you and was degraded to this abominable condition. So unworthy of my greatness and former beauty, I am more tormented to see myself thus vanquished and oppressed by this man and by his mother. From the day on which the first man was created, I have sleeplessly sought to find them and destroy them. Or if I should not be able to destroy them, I at least wish to bring destruction upon all creatures and induce them not to acknowledge him as their God, and that none of them should ever draw any benefit from his works. This has been my intent. To this, all my solicitude and efforts were directed. But in vain, since he has overcome me by his humility and poverty, crushed me by his patience, and at last has despoiled me of the sovereignty of the world by his passion and frightful death, this causes me such an excruciating pain that even if I succeeded in hurling him from the right hand of his father, where he sits triumphant, and if I should draw all the souls redeemed down into this hell, my wrath would not be satiated or my fury placated. 7.15. Is it possible that the human nature so inferior to my own shall be exalted above all the creatures, that it should be so loved and favored as to be united to the Creator in the person of the Eternal Word, that He should first make war upon me before executing this work, and afterwards overwhelm me with such confusion? From the beginning I have held this humanity as my greatest enemy. It has always filled me with intolerable abhorrence. O men, so favored and gifted by your God, whom I abhor, and so ardently loved by him, how shall I hinder your good fortune? How shall I bring upon you my unhappiness, since I cannot destroy the existence you have received? What shall we now begin, O my followers? How shall we restore our reign? How shall we recover our power over men? How shall we overcome them? For if men from now on shall be the most senseless and ungrateful, if they are not worse disposed than we ourselves toward the God-men, who has redeemed them with so much love, it is clear that all of them will eagerly follow him. None will take notice of our deceits. They will abhor the honors which we insidiously offer them, and will love contempt. They will seek the mortification of the flesh, and will discover the danger of carnal pleasure and ease. They will despise riches and treasures, and love the poverty so much honored by their master, and all that we can offer to the appetites, they will abhor an imitation of their true Redeemer. Thus will our reign be destroyed, since no one will be added to our number in this place of confusion and torments. All will reach the happiness which we have lost. All will humiliate themselves to the dust, and suffer with patience, and my wrath and haughtiness will avail me nothing. 7.16 Ah, woe is me! What torment does this mistake cause me? When I tempted him in the desert, the only result was to afford him a chance to leave the example of this victory, by following which men can overcome me so much the more easily. My persecutions only brought out more clearly his doctrine of humility and patience. In persuading Judas to betray him and the Jews to subject him to the deadly torture of the cross, I merely hastened my ruin in the salvation of men, while the doctrine I sought to blot out was only the more firmly implanted. How could one who is God humiliate himself to such an extent? How could he bear so much from men who are evil? How could I myself have been led to assist so much in making the salvation so copious and wonderful? Oh, how godlike is the power of that man, which could torment and weaken me so! And how can this woman, his mother, and my enemy be so mighty and invincible in her opposition to me? New is such power in a mere creature, and no doubt she derived it from the divine word whom she clothed in human flesh. 
Through this woman, the Almighty has ceaselessly waged war against me. Though I have hated her in my pride from the moment I recognized her in the image or heavenly sign. But if my proud indignation is not to be assuaged, I benefit nothing by my perpetual war against this Redeemer, against his mother, and against men. Now then, ye demons who follow me, now is the time to give way to our wrath against God. Come, all of ye, to take counsel what we are to do, for I desire to hear your opinions. 7.17 Some of the principal demons gave their answers to this dreadful proposal, encouraging Lucifer by suggesting diverse schemes for hindering the fruit of the redemption among men. They all agreed that it was not possible to injure the person of Christ, to diminish the immense value of his merits, to destroy the efficacy of the sacraments, to falsify or abolish the doctrine which Christ had preached. Yet they resolved that in accordance with the new order of assistance and favor established by God for the salvation of men— They should now seek new ways of hindering and preventing the work of God, by so much the greater deceits and temptations. In reference to these plans, some of the astute and malicious demons said, It is true that men now have at their disposal a new and powerful doctrine and law, new and efficacious sacraments, a new model and instructor of virtues, a powerful intercessor and advocate in this woman. Yet the natural inclinations and passions of the flesh remain just the same and the sensible and delectable creatures have not changed their nature. Let us then, making use of this situation which increased astuteness, foil as far as in us lies the effects of what this God-man has wrought for men. Let us begin strenuous warfare against mankind by suggesting new attractions, exciting them to follow their passions in forgetfulness of all else. Thus men, being taken up with these dangerous things, cannot attend to the contrary. This concludes our reading today for day number 264. We've been reading from volume 3, book 6, chapter 23, paragraphs 711 to 717. One of the things I always say about the temptation of Jesus in the desert is that Satan reveals his hand. And we hear that today in our reading, that Satan does reveal his hand. For example, he says, They resolved that in accordance with the new order of assistance and favor established by God for the salvation of men, they should now seek new ways of hindering and preventing the work of God by so much the greater deceits and temptations. So we are to work for God in our life. And the one way that that work gets disrupted is through the temptations of the evil one, as we hear today in our reading. In this council that the demons and Lucifer have, well, they ask questions. How shall we recover our power over men? How shall we overcome them? For if men from now on shall not be most senseless and ungrateful, if they are not worse disposed than we ourselves towards the God-men who has redeemed them with so much love, it is clear that all of them will eagerly follow him. None will take notice of our deceits. They will abhor the honors which we insidiously offer them and will love contempt. They will seek the mortification of the flesh and will discover the danger of carnal pleasure and ease. They will despise riches and treasures, and love poverty. And the list goes on. And so the devil knows that by becoming a follower of Jesus, that those things are going to happen. That our hearts are going to be changed. That our eyes are going to be set on heaven. And that threatens him. And so it's up to us then to persevere, to ensure that this takes place that we are mortifying our flesh, that we do know the, the carnal pleasures are evil, 
And so as we become more and more aware of this, if we become grateful for the redemption that Jesus has won, that has defeated Satan, well, we will be powerful against him. In our life, we struggle with sin, but we can claim authority by Jesus and his cross. We can take up battle against the evil one. We also can be victorious. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of The Mystical City of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you, and Mary pray for you.